morning. You're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, your Wednesday morning voice where we talk about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. So this morning, we are streaming everywhere, people. So we are streaming uh, live on WNHHLP 103.5 FM in the New Haven, Connecticut area. We are on newhavenindependent.org. We are on the New Haven Independent Facebook page and the Fit Muslimah page. We're covering all bases today. So that's kind of exciting. We got people watching from a little bit of everywhere. So today I thought we just have a really good discussion of just answering questions that people might have that uh, I could help them with. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the other hats that I wear. So in addition to being your Wednesday morning voice on WNHH, I am also a health and fitness coach. I have an interdisciplinary degree in exercise science, public health and psychology, as well as 13 different fitness and nutrition certifications. So. Before all of this, I was probably the most well-known for health and fitness. And so I have a slew of health and fitness questions that I'm going to answer um, from all my gracious Facebook fans and uh, friends who have asked me things via messages, um, as well as inside of the various uh, private groups that I run on Facebook. Y'all know I'm a Facebookaholic, right? So I got a lot of groups <laughs> so I have so we got a lot of stuff to talk about of course most of the questions are around weight loss and fat loss and diet we will get to some business questions and I'll push those back to, to the uh, second or last third of the show but we'll start off with the health and fitness questions um, and it is a Q&A so we are on Facebook Live, so make sure that if I don't have a answer a question that you may have, that you may be curious about, then why don't you go ahead and uh, log on and give me an ask, okay? Because I'm watching the screen too. Hey, Facebook people. And hey, WNHH people. Where's the camera in here? Is it behind me? Oh, it's right there. Oh. <laughs> Hey, New Haven Independent people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here is, uh, so I'm going to try to group them a little bit. Okay. So Adiba asked me a lot of great questions. So, Salaamu Alaikum, Adiba. How you doing? Thank you for all of the questions. Zainab asked questions. And another group I had, uh, Nasima asked some questions. I am going to go to my other group here, my other Facebook page. Here we go. All right. So, so we're kind of like doing a radio slash quarter, sort of kind of like Facebook thing. So I have cameras on both sides of me. So I hope I don't have like only one good side. I hope I have like two good sides here. Because <laughs> I just realized like on both sides. So I have to look back and forth. Here we go. Um, okay. I need to go to my Facebook page. Hold on. <laughs> so, uh, and I'm going to make sure I turn the sound off my computer so I'm not. All right. So the first question that I have here is, um, 
What's the best way to control a sugar addiction, short term and long term? Ooh, that's a good one. So uh, one, I'm going to send you to uh, my Fit Mostly My fan page, because if you look through the videos there, I did an entire hour. I think it was like an hour and a half long video all about sugar addiction. So you can certainly go there and you can find information about it. But the answer to your question is the best way for you to control a sugar addiction is first to break yourself from it. And that cannot be done with kind of like, oh, I'm just going to decrease sugar. Sugar is an addictive substance. So you have to go cold turkey. Um, There is a lot of research around kind of like if you do, if you can go 10 days with no sugar, then you, when you do taste sugar again, say you used to use three teaspoons of sugar in your coffee, one teaspoon will taste three times as sweet. So the best way for you to control a sugar addiction is one, to break yourself cold turkey, and number two, not to let it build up again. So long-term, so short-term, the answer is go cold turkey for a minimum of 10 days. And when I say no sugar, that means no sugar from fruit, So people will say, oh, I'm going to go on a detox or a sugar-free diet. And then they're like, but I'm having a smoothie every day with bananas and pineapples and honey. And nope, (laughs) fruit has natural sugar in it. It will not break your sugar addiction for you to replace processed sugar with natural sugar. It's still sugar, right? So um, if your goal is, of course... Uh, um, natural sugar is much better than processed sugar. But if your goal is to break a sugar addiction, you cannot replace one with the other. Um, So go cold turkey. That means that you're going to cut dairy out of your diet for 10 days. And that is because there is a uh, there is a milk sugar in dairy. You're going to cut out fruit from your diet for 10 days, not long term. We do not want to have you not eating fruit. Fruits and vegetables are very important. I don't think I have to give you that speech. But you want to cut out uh, fruit from your diet. You want to cut out, obviously, anything that says high fructose corn syrup. I would also recommend that you cut out all of the sugar substitutes, anything that gives you a sweetened taste in your mouth. So even though stevia is no calories, blah, 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 no stevia, no natural sugars like honey or coconut sugar or literally cut out all sugars. So you are just eating proteins. If that's if you eat meat, you are eating vegetables, lots and lots of vegetables. You are eating um, beans. You can have beans. You can have uh, what else? You can have basically that's it. So for 10 days, you can do that for 10 days. So that's short term. Long term is don't let it build up. So because it builds up on you. Right. So the more sugar you eat, the more sugar you want. And so regulate your sugar in the future. Um, that is one. So I'll follow that up with, uh, another thought was Adiba wanted to know what is my thought on carb cycling? Okay. So for people who don't know what carb cycling is, that's basically a way of eating in your diet where you eat very low carbs on some days and you eat very high carb on other days. The reason why people do that as a way of dieting is because, Higher amount of carbs helps build muscle strength. Lower amount of carbs help you to burn stored fat, right? My thought on carb cycling is for the average person, it's really not necessary. Carb cycling is best known in the circles of bodybuilding. Um, and 
One, I think that for the average person who's looking to lose weight, um, it's not necessarily, it's very detailed and it is not going to be a good long-term strategy. For people who are looking to lose weight, the best thing to do is for you to find a diet plan that actually works for you long-term. Now, if you're doing bodybuilding, then that's a whole different story because we're talking about people who want to build a lot of muscles to get really cut and toned, but they also want to keep their body fat really uh, low. So my thought in short on carb cycling is, um, is it effective? Yes, it's effective, um, but it's unnecessary. It's really detailed and most people can't really... um, I think of general population when people ask me health and fitness questions, I think of kind of like, is this something that the average person who wants to lose 20 pounds or 50 pounds is going to benefit from? And I think that there are other ways for you to eat that's going to be more practical to your lifestyle than carb cycling. Um, Which meal should be the largest breakfast or lunch? That depends on your day. So it depends on, so whether breakfast or lunch should be longer really depends on each individual person. I always like to think about, um, tell people to think about the, the philosophy, eat to live. We eat for energy, right? So when do you need the most amount of energy in your day? Right. So are you, uh, do you go to work at three o'clock in the afternoon? Then, Hey, lunch may be a better, um, um, choice for you to have a a bigger portion of food you go to work at you know right after you eat breakfast then it may be breakfast wherever you need your energy from so that is there is no right or wrong answer for that it's really individualized um oh and she she has me here we go she has me thinking here what are some of the non-dairy sugar-free egg-free breakfast options that's a lot of free (laughs) okay so non-dairy sugar-free egg-free breakfast options so (laughs) that's interesting because I recently actually was looking into this because my kids are like okay my what did my 16 year old say he said um he said eggs are so 2016 we need something else for breakfast So I guess it really depends from all of the answers that I got when I actually put this uh, out on Facebook from all of the answers that I got. I think that it really is cultural. But from an American cultural standpoint, there is a I think that um, having sausages is a good um, alternative. If you eat meat, if you don't, then like there's a veggie sausage version. Um, There is a great um, I make a turkey apple breakfast patty. It's made from ground turkey. There's some apple and some sage. So that's a really good non-dairy, sugar-free, egg-free breakfast option. Um, and really, when you're, when you're, if you're looking for protein sources, it's really different ways for you to, um, to, to make them, to make your protein. Some people like to eat chicken or leftover um Um, dinner for breakfast there's no rule that your breakfast has to be pancakes or your breakfast has to be sweet so as long as you have some carbs in there you have some protein in there and you got some good fats and it's breakfast all right so let's get to a few exercise questions all right so 
Zainab wants to know how can one jumpstart one's metabolism after a plateau? So that's a little bit challenging to answer just as a general question because people plateau for different reasons. So the first thing that I do when a client thinks that they plateau is one, a plateau is not measured only by the scale. A plateau is actually measured in three ways. Have you gone more than two weeks without the scale changing your measurements changing, literally taking a measure, a measuring tape around your waist, your hips, your upper body, and your body fat has not gone down, right? So have you gone two weeks with all of those two more, two weeks is like the minimum. If you've gone a month, you know, four weeks, then have you actually plateaued? Sometimes, very often, people think that they plateau because the... Uh, scale has not moved and scale is not the only measurement of your body changing. So that's really important. And I did see from my Facebook people, I did see somebody ask me about the scale. So we'll talk about that next. So I would say, make sure that those three things have not changed in two or more weeks. And then if you have truly hit a plateau, the second thing that you have to do is go back and look at what you have been doing, right? So hopefully if you are on, you're serious about your fitness goals, your weight loss goals, you've been keeping a uh, exercise and a food diary, right? You have to keep an exercise and food diary. If you are not, then you're not getting serious. So I'm telling you now, now it's time to get serious, get serious. Um, and this is the reason why you want to do that is because when you do hit that plateau, which will be inevitable, you can look back and see, okay, well, I thought I was exercising just as much. It may be just that you just fell off something. You're in this little by little and you're not being conscious of it. So you would go back and look at what were you doing different on the days, on the weeks that you were getting results versus what you were doing different on the weeks that you're not getting results? You may be able to reconcile it and just see the difference in that. It could be the amount of exercise that you're doing. It could be you're having a little bit more cheat days. So that's the, that's the first thing. So say you're doing everything the same. You're eating exactly the same and you still have gotten to that plateau. The most important thing is to be consistent, right? It will break. Be consistent. But the way that you can help it break is you can uh, change the type of exercise that you're doing or the intensity of the exercise that you're doing. So our bodies are these wonderful machines that have the ability to adapt to whatever environment we put them in, whatever stress we put them under. If it is a constant stress, or a constant activity, then our body will adapt to it. So here's an example, hypothetical. Let's say you go out and you run two miles every single day, right? So the first time you run those two miles, your body is going to be like, oh my God, I'm running. I'm going to burn 200 calories. But then when you go out the next time and run those two miles, your body's going to be like, oh, okay, we're going to be doing this a lot. So I'm going to figure out how to run these two miles without burning 200 calories, I can burn less than that. I'm going to conserve energy. And so it does. And the next time it may only burn 180 calories, right? So your body will try to adapt so that it's actually conserving energy, right? So 
every time you do an activity, your body gets uh, it becomes habitual for your body. And so if you say lost 10 pounds doing Zumba, right, and then you hit a plateau, it's because your body is used to it. You might want to either change the type of exercise that you're doing. So try a kickboxing class or go biking instead of running. Right. You want to change it up. Or you can change the intensity of the exercise. So instead of doing, say, running two miles at a consistent pace, you might want to do interval sprints for two miles, right? You run a block really, really fast, and then you slow down and do a nice slow jog for the next block. And then you run a block, and you can do this around the track as well. So that's changing the intensity. The third thing you want to do is you might want to change the duration. So you've been working out for, you know, 40 minutes consistently. You might want to push it to 60, right? So those are three ways for you to actually change the exercises that you are doing. Um. And that's and that is that's one technique of breaking a plateau. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio, streaming live on newhavenindependent.org, as well as on New Haven Independent Facebook page. Um and uh, you're listening to Mornings with Mubaraka, and we are doing a live Q&A, questions that people may have that I can answer around health, fitness, motivation. Um, and I am using a little bit of my background in um, fitness, psychology, and public health to answer questions that people may have around those topics. I'm taking questions live on Facebook as well as questions that people previously asked me yesterday um, and we're going through them and answering them. So we are on the last question that we talked about was um, breaking a plateau. So we talked about how to break it with your exercise. Okay, so say you're doing the most for your fitness level and you're like, I can't do much, right? Much more for the exercise part. You can also break a plateau by changing your diet, right? Or changing the macronutrients of your diet. You can, um, and different than carb cycling, you're not doing this on a daily basis. You're literally just changing it. You're keeping up with how many carb, what percentage of your diet comes from carbohydrates, what com- percentage comes from fat, what percentage comes from uh, protein. And you may want to switch that up, right? So say you're getting the average American gets about 60% of their um, diet from carbohydrates. If you're following an average kind of like low calorie diet, then you're probably still doing that. You might want to reduce the carbohydrates in your diet and up the protein or up the fat. So there's different ways for you to, um, for you to modify the, uh, the macronutrients of your diet. And those are two ways that you can think about in breaking a weight loss plateau. So another question around exercise is what is better for increase in flexibility, Pilates or yoga? For increase in flexibility, I'm going to have to give yoga the win. All right. So there's different versions of Pilates and different versions of yoga, but Pilates is very core centered. It does increase your flexibility, but Certain types of yoga certainly will take your flexibility to an entirely different level, particularly yoga done in a hot room, you know, hot 
yoga like Brooklyn Yoga or just yoga in a hot room, right? We have a couple of places here in New Haven um, that you can get that done or you look for someplace. So it doesn't necessarily have to be Brooklyn Yoga, which is kind of like the traditional hot yoga noun. You know, we Americanize everything. So <laughs> we got regular Hatha yoga in a hot room, <laughs> right? What the heat does is your muscles is kind of like a rubber band, right? If it's warm, it's going to, uh, it's going to stretch more. So doing it in a hot room is actually going to help your flexibility. Um, so I'm going to give yoga the win for that one. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll take something that is live on Facebook. So Sarah Bente, hey, thank you for joining me on Facebook. She wants to know how to train to lose fat on your arms and legs without getting big muscles. Oh, why would you not want to get big muscles? No, I'm just joking. So um, getting big muscles is relative. <laughs> That's the number one. Uh, number two, the way that you increase your muscle is by doing resistance training and lifting weights, right? So when you say getting big muscles, I'm going to, I'm going to make a couple of assumptions here. One, uh, this is a, a very, very stereotypical thing that women will say, right? I want to muscles, but I don't want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? But I guarantee that you will not unless you're taking steroids because even Arnold Schwarzenegger had to take steroids to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> so... Number one, women do not have the testosterone that men have. So you will not get big muscles like a man. So if a man, for example, gets to the point that he can bench press 250 pounds and a woman can bench press 250 pounds, his muscles will physically be bigger because of the amount of testosterone that he has in his body. Testosterone helps your muscles to build. So you do not have to worry about getting big muscles. I'd say for most women, again, I'm talking about average population. You don't, it's not people, sometimes women will have a hormone imbalance and they'll have more testosterone in their system and then they will get big muscles, quote unquote. But for the average female, you can lift weights without worrying about looking manly or getting too many mu big muscles. But the only way for you to get muscles is to get muscles. <laughs> <laughs> you you got to lift weights uh, on your legs. I legs in particular, if I could only give you two exercises that work every single muscle in your body, it would be lunges and pushups. Lunges literally work every single lower body muscle. Pushups literally work every single upper body muscle. So if you want to lose fat on your arm and gain muscle, then lunge and pushups incorporate them into all of your resistance training workouts. Um, let me see what else we got. I had some, I had some other, I have to go. Okay. So um, another question that we have on the exercise vein is as well as um, how do you lose weight, but not lose muscle? So that's a, that's another kind of like a variation, right? So anytime we, lose weight most diets are calorie restrictive diets right yeah that's a part of the weight loss is it's part what you're eating and part how much you're eating of it so because they're calorie restrictive diets there will be some muscle loss with fat loss 
The goal for any good plan is for you to lose fat without losing muscle. So you want to maintain muscle. The best way for you to do that is to eat a diet that has a sufficient amount of protein in it. If you are eating 1,200, 15, even 1,500 calories a day and 70% of your diet is coming from carbohydrates, you are going to lose muscle because muscle must have protein in order to build. So it's really important that you increase the amount of protein in your diet if you are losing weight and you, do, and you want to maintain muscle. If you're doing a lot of cardiovascular activity, so the main way that you're exercising is, say, doing Zumba or running or biking, then you need to eat even more protein than someone who mostly weight trains and don't do a lot of cardio and just minimum cardio. Because when you do cardiovascular exercise, your body uses almost 30% more protein than a person who exercises during resi- during resistance training, right? We literally are using the protein in our fingernails and our hair in order for us to practice for a marathon or I'm practicing for a duathlon, right? So it's a lot of cardio and that's a struggle because I'm not really a cardio person. Um, I'm a weight person. <laughs> that is my exercise of choice. <laughs> um <clears throat> The other, okay, so let's go to another question. Hmm. Exercise question. What are the best exercises to rebuild core strength postpartum? Hmm. Best exercise to rebuild core strength postpartum? I would say planks. You want to do planks if you have, um, a diastasis, which is the separation of the uh, your abdominal muscles, then you want to use um, either a exercise belt or tie a scarf or something that's actually not so tight that you can't breathe, but um, tight enough that it actually supports your abdominal so you don't make it uh, larger. So a good core exercise is... Um, Postpartum is planks. Get your planks up. That's really, really important. Um, I'm going to, I know I have some questions on Facebook, but I can't see them on that Facebook. So I have to come on this Facebook. So, um, so I'm still on and you can definitely ans- ask any questions that you like. So we are, oh, okay. I'm seeing my peoples. Okay. So Sheeta. Assalamu alaikum on Facebook. She asks, how important is the number on the scale? Because I'm not losing weight, but losing inches. It is not that important. It really isn't, right? The number on the scale is an arbitrary number to give you an indication of your fat, your muscle, your bone, your internal organs, the amount of water that you're drinking, uh, the amount of blood in your body. It is a big range of things, right? When you step on the scale. If you find yourself losing inches and your the scale, the number on the scale is not moving, then what's happening is you are losing fat 
and gaining muscle simultaneously. Generally, that is what happens. So what that means is one pound of fat and one pound of muscle weighs exactly the same thing. One pound. It's kind of like one pound of bricks and one pound of feather weigh the same thing. One pound. (laughs) But (laughs) when you look at a pound of bricks, it may be one brick. But if you look at a pound of feathers, it may be a huge bag, right? In order to equal feathers. Well, your feather is your fat. Your brick is your muscle. Muscle is 30% smaller than fat. So if you want to physically shrink, you need to decrease your fat and increase the amount of muscle in your body. Not only that, but muscle also boosts your metabolism. Someone asked me a question about that, like how to boost your metabolism or something like that. Um, And that is how you do it. You gain muscle. For every pound of muscle that you gain, you will increase your metabolism by 50 calories a day. The same thing falls true for every pound of muscle that you lose. You will decrease your metabolism by 50 calories a day. So what that means is your natural metabolism, even when you're sleeping, even when you're Netflixing and chilling, right? (laughs) You will be burning more calories with the more muscle that you have. And that's really important, particularly as we get older. One of the uh, true false myths is that our metabolism slows down as we get older. Well, it's true, but it's not because the calendar is changing. It's actually true because as we get older, we have a natural muscle atrophy. That natural muscle atrophy, meaning that our muscle fibers literally shrink. We have a decreased amount of muscle. So from the, if you never exercise from the time that you're 25 to the time that you're 95, you will have only about 25% of the muscle that you had when you were 25 if you never exercised throughout your life, right? So often we associate getting older with people getting weaker, people needing help. That is directly related to muscle atrophy, right? So the, as, from the time you're 25, and it, this, is like, this is not like, oh, you're super ancient. That's why you have no muscle. It actually starts when we're 25. Like, that's pretty young. That's a little disheartening, actually. But <laughs> we have to deal with it. <laughs> um, so the muscle atrophy starts when we're 25, right? And it starts off with losing about 5% of our muscle a year. And then about every eight years or so, it increases. So you go from using, losing about 5% a year to 8% a year to when you get into your 70s and 80s, you could be losing 10% of your muscle a year. That is for people who do not exercise. The good thing is that it is completely avoidable and reversible, right? They've done research on people who start exercising in their 60s, their 70s, even their 80s, and they found that they can build muscle. Our body never stops responding to the activity that we do. That is the good news. It's never too late to start. 
And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio, also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, where we talk about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. But today we are doing a, a fitness and nutrition Q&A so far. 90% of the questions have been about fitness and nutrition. So we are doing a little Q&A, um, asking me anything. So in addition to the hat I wear as host of Mornings with Mubaraka, I am a health and happiness coach. And uh, I have an interdisciplinary degree in exercise science, public health and psychology, and 13 fitness and nutrition certifications. And so I am using that hat today to answer questions about health, fitness, and nutrition. Um, and I have several questions. We are live on the Fit Muslima Facebook page, as well as on the New Haven Independent Facebook page. Hey, independent people. Hey, Fit Muslima people. So I got cameras both ways. So obviously I'm not too shy. <laughs> Okay, so let's see. We have, uh, let's see what other questions that we have. Um, what is, oh, Hamna wants to know what is the best workout for saggy belly? And I think it's the reason for back pain. So I'm actually not quite sure what saggy belly means. So maybe, Hamna, you can, uh, Maybe you can explain that because that can be skin. That can be a belly that actually protrudes. I'm not exactly sure. So why don't you um, ask your question again? Um, Kelly wants to know, I want to start working out on my own. What suggestions do you have to find a decent routine? I know how to do the exercises, but I'm not sure how much to do and what should be done together. Hmm. A decent routine. So, Kelly, I'm going to have to say a couple of things. It depends on what your fitness goal is. So I am a person that I really truly believe that people should exercise according to whatever their goal is. So a person's goal to say stave off high blood pressure is very different type of exercise if you're, well, not very different, but it's a different uh, concentration on what you want to do than if your your goal is to just stay fit versus wanting to lose weight. So when it comes to a routine, I would say there are, um, there's lots of great uh, YouTube stuff out there. There is, um, I would say find a program, like a, maybe a DVD program, Generally, you can find one that will put the exercises together in a way that's going to be effective, depending on what your goal is, right? Um, another way for you to get uh, a decent routine that you can be able to do, you might want to consider going and hiring a trainer for just one or two sessions. So personal trainers also do something called fitness coaching, right? Um, and in fitness coaching, what a trainer may be able to do is to create a program for you based on your goals that you can do on your own. So you're not paying to kind of like meet with them every single time. You're just paying for them to create a program. So that is another option for you to do. Um, and you said what should be done together. Okay. So I think I, um, I think I answered that. 
Um, I'm looking at, these are some really great questions. And of course, like 90% of them are about um, exercise, fitness, diet. Uh, okay. So I have answered, I think, most of the questions about exercise and fitness. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to my questions about business. And we have more fitness questions. We got any fitness questions over there, Harry? No? Independent people, you don't got no fitness questions? <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to ask me, ask me fitness questions. You can message me later. <laughs> you do. You can message me later. Um, so one of the questions that I got uh, pertaining to business, so I'm going to put on a different hat now. So um, you guys are getting a little bit of all of my hats. So um, my other hat is business, right? Because I am a serial entrepreneur. What does that mean? That means that I'm always coming up with a new idea for business. And I have in my lifetime probably started about five different businesses in everything from fitness to construction to pie to, and it's fun because I love business. I think that more people should be entrepreneurs. Um, and one of the, uh, one of the questions that I got online about business is how does she wants to know how does she get over the fear of starting? She knows the type of business that she wants to start. She knows kind of like what she has to do to start, but she just feels like stuck and she doesn't know how to get over the fear of starting. So I think that this is not just something that's related to business, but it's related to a lot of things. Like how many people say like, I know I need to lose weight, but I just, just can't, or I just haven't started. Or someone says like, you know, I know I need to get more sleep, but every night I'm watching, you know, TV till two o'clock in the morning. Like, how do I just get started? So the first thing that I tell people in order to get yourself out of a rut and get started is to make a plan, right? So that's an easy thing for people to get started. So no matter what your particular goal is, you want to make sure that you make a plan. That plan could be, Carving out a certain amount of time to do what you need to do. So let's take an example. We're going to use business, but let's also take kind of like sleep, right? You know, you need to get a certain amount of literally look at your clock and determine what time you need to get up in the morning and how do you fit eight? What time you need to go to bed in order to get eight hours out of that? Look at your schedule and say, you know, I know I'm working a full time job and I have kids, but I need to dedicate at least two hours a day to getting this business idea off. So where can I fit it? That might mean that you need to wake up a little earlier or you need to stay up a little late. And that is when it's going to test how bad do you want it? I always tell people that it is not about whether or not you can achieve it. It's about whether or not you're willing to sacrifice what you need to, whether or not you're willing to give up the things because you can't have everything at once. You can have everything. You just can't have it all at once. You can't like be up on all of the green leaf shows and still <laughs> get everything that you want going, going, right? You might have to give up green leaf. I really like that show, by the way. It's really interesting. Uh, it's a show on the own network. Um, so, 
I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm reading another question here. Um, so that's what I would suggest that you do is you start off by making a plan, make a commitment to yourself and then stick to it. So make that appointment with yourself to work on your business for from whatever, 8 to 10 p.m. every night, and you keep it like it's a doctor's appointment, right? That you're gonna keep and you're not gonna cancel. Even better, it's a doctor's appointment for your kid because you know we cancel and reschedule our own, but we'll make sure our kid gets to the doctor. So <laughs> you make sure that you keep that appointment with yourself and you start, even if, you have to sit in front of your computer and not do anything. Can't be on Facebook, though. You got to come talk to me later. Um, <laughs> you got to sit at your computer and say, I'm going to work on this. If it's a book and you get two sentences out of that two hours, then you still have kept that commitment to yourself. So it's not about how much you're able to do. It's about that you consistently work. That's really important. Um Uh, I have one more question that I'm going to take. I see uh, Zoha asked a question online and she said, what should be my proper diet so my studies don't get affected and I don't gain weight? Hmm. So that is uh, a little bit, that's a little bit challenging. Number one, just continue to eat uh, lean proteins, lots of vegetables, minimize your carbohydrates. So if you have a very sedentary lifestyle, you're doing a lot of studying, you're, you're sitting down all day. The purpose of carbohydrates is to give us energy, energy to move and to think. And if you're doing most of your thinking and you're not doing a lot of moving, then you want to just reduce your carbohydrate, even by 10% of your diet would actually um, be very helpful. Um, and you want to make the time to move. I understand that school can be very time consuming, um, but you have to, if you don't want to gain weight, then you have to consistently move and certainly watch what you're eating. Avoid uh, snacking while you're studying and that kind of stuff. And, and, and hopefully that will be helpful for you. And that's as much as generally not knowing exactly what your, um, what your lifestyle is like. Um, that's the best general advice I can give you. So I would like to thank everybody for logging on and asking questions. And uh, this was fun. I like putting on several hats. I like, I wear, well, maybe I should say several scarves, right? <laughs> I wear a scarf. <laughs> I have several scarves that I wear. <laughs> so this was really fun. I also want to remind you, I just definitely have to end with a disclaimer. Do not take any advice until you have talked to your medical professional. That is really important, right? So these are general population. It is not a prescription. It is not a diagnosis. It is not a suggestion for a physical uh, disease or illness. It is a general population answers for healthy individuals, but always check with your medical professional before you change your diet or your exercise program. Um, I want to tell you guys before I go, because we only have a couple of minutes left to the show. Next week, next week is going to be really, I'm excited about next week. Because my guest is going to be an 11-year-old entrepreneur, an 11-year-old entrepreneur who actually is a young hijab-wearing Muslimah who started her own business, Hijabi Fits. 
And I'm excited. You know, like I said, I love entrepreneurship. I, it really, it just, it, it gets me excited. The different ideas people can come up with and, and how you can present yourself to the world and how you can, uh, how you can make such an impact, right? With a product or with a service. And so when you are 11 and you have that, uh, you have that oomph to say, hey, I can make a difference with this product and I want to share it with the world, that excites me. So next week, remember, I am here Wednesday mornings, 10 a.m. You can uh, find me on WNHHLP 103.5 FM in New Haven, Connecticut area. Um, We generally stream live on Facebook, so you can also find us here. But you can also listen live on newhavenindependent.org. So if you ever can't find me online and we're not streaming live that particular day, then you just go to newhavenindependent.org and you click on the WNHHLP logo up in the corner and you can listen anywhere in the world so i will talk to you next week and i look forward to talking to the ceo of uh hijabi fits um this 11 year old entrepreneur so uh until then you guys have an awesome day this is mubaraka on mornings with mubaraka reminding you to be a voice and not an echo